and welcome to another episode of the Castle Comics Podcast. This week we're going to do something that we should have done a while ago. It's definitely been uh, underrepresented uh, as far as the shop goes because it's a massive part of the shop and a huge, huge, uh, huge part of the community. This evening, we're going to, or this afternoon, depending on when you're listening to this, we're going to be talking about Yu-Gi-Oh! So tonight it's old Greg, Sound Guy Gary, Funny Alex and Mr. Blue to himself. TCG Tally Lee. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing good, my man. I'm doing good. How are we all this evening, guys? This afternoon and or morning? <laughs> doing all right. Doing all right. Amazing. Uh, be, be nice if it wasn't just after work, though. Yeah. Uh, uh, or during work when I sneakily listen to this. Shh, to my So, we're going to talk about Yu Gi Oh! tonight. So, Lee is our expert on Yu Gi Oh! So, when did you get into Yu Gi Oh! I don't know what Yu Gi Oh! is. <laughs> nah, um, yeah, you're going. <laughs> I've been lying this entire time. Uh, well, to be honest, probably like many people, I got into Yu Gi Oh initially when I was a wee guy, like mm-hmm. kind of six, seven, eight, when the card game initially came out. You've got the, the cartoon on like TV, uh-huh. everybody had a stint of wanting a Blue Eyes White Dragon. And to be fair, um, Blue Eyes White Dragon sucks. Don't at me. Anyone who wants to come at me. That's fine. Um, I'm going to edit you out the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but I think, again, like many people, I liked it when I was a kid. Got to about kind of 11, 12 when card games weren't cool anymore. And then once I had my own spending money and I got to make up my own mind on what stuff was cool, I was like, I'm going to see what Yu-Gi-Oh's up to these days. And that there was white cards and black cards and cards I'd never seen before. And then there was different blue ones and I was like ah it's probably a good time to get into a game I've got no idea what's going on Absolutely. is the Dark Magician still good? quick answer was no <laughs> the long answer was no. No no, 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 no no, Gary you get into Yu-Gi-Oh as well didn't you when you were yeah uh, quite similar like watched the cartoons when it first aired on the TV absolutely loved the show absolutely loved Blue Eyes White Dragon uh-huh. it's, like, it's the best card in the game but yeah I Kind of similar to Lee, I fell off it and uh-huh. came back in it much later when there was all these new fancy razzle-dazzle cards. And, I was uh-huh. like, and the reason that I got back in it was they gave Blue Eyes a lot more support. It was like five different kind of Blue Eyes. I was mm-hmm. like, wow. <laughs> Gots to get me a bit of that. Absolutely. Alex, what's your experience of Yu-Gi-Oh? So I guess when I was younger, it's probably somewhat similar to these guys. I watched uh-huh. it. I think everyone watched the cartoon when they were about our age. Because yeah. it but two thousand and two, so we're all sitting about seven or eight year old. Uh-huh. Um so easy to watch. But like I never quite made the jump into the card game. And then when I started playing games again, um it was Hearthstone into Magic uh-huh. and Yu Gi Oh just seemed slightly I got quite a lot of experience in Hearthstone. Yu Gi Oh just seemed quite a bit too different for me to get into. It's still, like, I see people playing it and I see the cards and that. They're still interesting. There's still parts of it I look at and are aesthetically pleasing. It's just not clicked with me, really. Uh-huh. So, Okay, dokie. So, how have you stuck with it for this long, then, Lee? So, I think the thing about Yu-Gi-Oh! for me is, compared to things like Hearthstone and Magic, is that it's fast. Mm-hmm. I like it that it's fast. It's a fast-paced game in a different way than Hearthstone and Magic can be, where it tends to be maybe a couple turns kind of ramp of mm-hmm. momentum gaining. And Yu-Gi-Oh, it's all about maximizing consistency and performance and pretty much optimizing your deck okay. so that you can always do something. And I'll, I particularly like combo-based decks, uh-huh. but I'm not sure about you guys, a combo-based deck in Magic, how long does a turn take to play out? 
I know as long as you depend on the combo. Yeah. The magic, the one main thing I think about magic in Yu-Gi-Oh, which makes me swing more towards magic, would be the variety. Mm-hmm. There's so much variety in your decks, and some decks they have got combos that last a million years, but some it's like two cards and boom, you're dead. Yeah. All right. Yeah, as long as you mm-hmm. can sort of say I'm doing mm-hmm. this, I'm doing this, and I've got an infinite loop between these two cards, folk are just going to die. Fair enough. But I know what <laughs> you're going fine. to say with the Yu-Gi-Oh combos. It doesn't take as long. You're not searching your entire deck playing this card to fling it into the graveyard, to special summon it back, to tribute it, to summon a god, to turn that god into five different cards and sacrifice them all and make you lose like, all your life mm-hmm. somehow. Aye. Sounds like a rat, like a verse <laughs> or an M&M song or something there. <laughs> so if if you get the right hand in, mm-hmm. in a, a Yu-Gi-Oh deck, you can win turn one? Turn one, yeah, yeah. very easily. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of different stances that people take to combo decks. Uh-huh. So there's a kind of like where you play for quite a while and you end on quite a solid end board that has a lot of interaction with your opponent during their turn. Uh-huh. The aim of the game, for me a lot of the time, is that on turn one, they basically look at my board and go, that's going to be really hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. I might as well just pack it in and we'll have a better game next game because I'll be more equipped to deal with that. Uh-huh. Um, there's some people that want to play a bit more of a slower control deck, so it is, it's a lot more... Dread the games are a lot more drawn out and then there's some people that want to play like first turn kill decks where right. it's not even a case where your opponent gets to look and go I-, I don't know if i can deal with this it's literally they don't get to play the game and they lose the first game mm-hmm. automatically which i'm not so much a fan of because there's no interaction there uh-huh. um i so i quite like the, the kind of combo aspect of it into interacting with my opponent on their turn and yeah either stopping their plays or learning choke points about their plays absolutely yeah um Aye, so that's that's kind of what keeps me in it, just the, the the speed, the fact that there's no resource system. It is just if I open a hand and I know what I want to do, uh-huh. then I can probably, like nine times out of ten, get there. Okay, okay. Now, um, say you and me sit down to play Yu-Gi-Oh! And I've mm-hmm. got a deck you've never seen before. Do you get to familiarise yourself with my deck? I mean, it's the really wordy cards. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? There must be that issue where oh, I've never seen this deck, I've never seen these cards, and you've got to sort of familiarise yourself mm-hmm. with it. And that, does that not sort of... I understand what you're saying about the speed of play, mm-hmm. which is great, but things will come up where I've never seen that before, and then you've got to 10 minutes to read it, and then the way it implies mm-hmm. and, and, and affects you know, like your board state and other cards that you'll, that, that you'll play. Before you answer, I just want to give an impression, just in case... And you can tell me if I'm wrong or whatever. I get the impression with Yu-Gi-Oh that at a competitive level where you're sitting down to play with someone, that's not a situation you're going to come across. No. That's going to be like, more than likely there's going to be like four or five decks if you're playing at a competitive level and you're going to expect to see the cards that are in them. That's exactly what Yu-Gi-Oh is like in the competitive scene. You've got your main meta decks. If you're not playing in the main meta decks, Mm -hmm. your cards are obsolete they're too old they're out of date so there is that to an extent um but there's also greg what you say to an extent as well where especially like a regional level Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of games where i've never um encountered like a thing like this deck before and i've never encountered a strategy before and i think one of the the cool things about Yu-Gi-Oh is we have what's called archetypes Uh um, which is essentially a collection of cards that are grouped together by the types of support they have Mm -hmm. and the type of theme that they have Right. Um, so oftentimes a rogue deck will have a theme and if you can kind of catch onto that theme early enough uh-huh. then you can kind of understand like right I may not know exactly what their plays are but uh-huh. say this deck has a knack for banishing cards right? 
I know what to say the next game it'll be cards that stop you from banishing okay now I don't know if you know that's going to hamper you greatly but I would assume if a deck wants to banish and I say no to that uh-huh. even if I don't know the deck inside out then I'm probably going to have a better chance of coming away um, yeah victorious the next turn yeah so just to clarify when you say rogue I th- and that's kind of like a homebrew deck maybe something that you haven't seen before that someone's just kind of maybe taking some time to throw it together and so rogue can be a lot of things it can be exactly what you've said right somebody's found a strategy that they like built a deck and tried to optimize it to the best of their ability um the way that people tend to look at it is just rogue and i think it might be similar in magic is just a deck that's not got a lot of tournament representation so it's kind of got that rogue aspect to it it's got that Mm. almost unknown factor which can give them an edge in some cases Uh because a lot of people do have that like i don't know what this deck does sort of moment and they'll maybe play against the wrong card Uh um and then that means that if you know if you've saved your power card correctly in your rogue deck you can absolutely steamroll the meta deck because they don't know what you're doing and they can only guess would you agree that the biggest difference really the the biggest factor towards the speed difference in Yu-Gi-Oh and magic hearthstone elder scrolls legends all those games is the lack of that kind of resource system the mana system is, mm-hmm. And is that something that appeals to you or something that you had to... It's, it's weird for me as a Magic player coming from Hearthstone. I feel like that would be a massive hurdle I had to get over. Is that something that draws you into the game, actually? Not having that resource system to worry about? Yeah, so, you know, from my perspective, from the deck that I want to play, it is in, like, it's go time. You know, as soon as I've got a card in my hand, um, in most cases, because there are cards, there is a, a kind of almost semi-resource system where cards have cost or cards have activation conditions that you'll know from like magic so if i can play a card i can just play it there mm-hmm. and then um which is the most like the most case um because again i tend not to play decks with like huge costs so for most of my cards it's just i've, o- I've opened it i can play it i can do something with it and then that will start a chain reaction i can do more things uh-huh it mm-hmm. just sort of opens it up um so you mentioned sort of a competitively there so and uh, you're playing competitive you go your deck's 40 cards 40 cards minimum 60 cards maximum and your sideboard 15 15 15 sideboard okay oh, so that that gives you like what a 25% 25% that's right 25% uh, variability in the cards so you can strip out right okay that's cool um, so the other thing I was going to ask about was um, Gary sort of touched on it briefly there with what he was saying Um the the way they keep things fresh in Yu-Gi-Oh is very different from the way they do it uh, with every other trading card game in Pokemon and Magic. There's a, like a rotation system mm-hmm. where new stuff comes out. Uh, you know, new stuff comes out, old stuff gets pushed pushed back. They don't do that with Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, how do they manage? So the way that Yu-Gi-Oh does it is that our sets. And again, I'm not sure about Magic, but our sets that come out throughout the course of like between two ban lists, which is kind of the major thing, mm-hmm. but our sets can have flops or wildly powerful cards that shift the format entirely. Uh-huh. Um, earlier on in the year, kind of must have been about February, March, maybe April, around about the first quarter of the year, we hadn't had a ban list for a little while. Um, and this set came out called Secret Slayers. Uh-huh. And while we were in an established format secret slayers came out and it just changed everything the top decks were vastly different okay um, overnight but they also have what we mentioned as the ban list uh-huh. so they will look at problematic cards 
and sometimes not so problematic cards that get in the way of them selling product. Right. And they'll ban them. Um, so when you say problematic, you mean something that's like dominating the meta too much? So it could be, yeah. Um, there's a lot of reasons that they might have a ban list. So you might just have a card that just dominates the meta too much. A little while ago, a couple years ago at this point now, uh, we had a deck called, well, it was a lot of things, but it was mainly Goki, which is an archetype of uh -huh. kind of pro wrestlers. Um, <laughs> but they didn't do a lot of pro wrestling. They either looped your hand so that you had no cards to play at the start of your turn, uh -huh. kind of fake FTK. Um, they could set up what's called an extra link, which, to not get too complicated, also said you don't get to play. Right. And they could do a lot of things and set up like huge negate boards, like impossible to overcome. Uh -huh. um, I like a deck that while it's difficult, you can overcome it. Mm -hmm. But this kind of strategy was essentially, this deck's impossible to overcome if you haven't opened up the right traps right. in your hand. Um, and they even had a card that stopped you from stopping their combo. They were literally, in some <sighs> cases, unstoppable wow. if you didn't just open the nuts. Um, and that was all because of one card called Fireball Dragon. Right. The problem with Fireball Dragon was that it was an anime card. You know, you think of like Dark Magician. Mm -hmm. That was that anime's Dark Magician. Right. Yeah, that so was it's, the protagonist's it's monster. supported in the cartoon. Yeah. Therefore, they've got to have it in the card game. Yeah. Therefore, they can't put it in the ban list. Yeah. And that was a debate. I kid you not, for maybe five, six months, everywhere, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, uh -huh. people were spamming Konami, ban Firewall. Uh -huh. um, because it, it essentially allowed you to infinitely summon monsters, right? Which for even for Yu-Gi-Oh speed is insane, right? It allowed you to infinitely loop and summon monsters. I can imagine that it, you know competitive tournaments during that six-month period, everybody just turning up with a stake and hoping to get first yeah, turn. Well, I think I think I, it was what you would call tier zero, where it's like you there's you literally can't play anything else in that meta. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it was a really difficult one. It eventually did get banned because it just dominated the meta so much. Uh -huh. Um, but sometimes they'll just if I see if a deck's been around too long mm -hmm. and they want to freshen up the meta it might not exactly be inherently broken uh -huh. but if it's just been around for ages they right. might hit it a wee bit they might full on gut it if mm -hmm. it's been really powerful for too long or they might just give it a wee love tap that takes it from one of the best decks to ah you'll win a couple wins here and there okay. um, like they did at the start of this year with a deck called Sky Striker which was for a long time like years the best deck uh -huh. not impossible to beat but it was just so good at gaining resources and it was so good at building advantage and take like little one for one trades until eventually you just out resource your opponent and they looked uh -huh. at your hand of 10 cards and they looked at their hand of two right. and like i can't beat you i just so that was their play style mm. and it wasn't broken um because it lacked speed uh-huh but the advantage that they could gain uh, was great. Card advantage, absolutely. That's the best it's, thing you can do is have more cards than somebody aye. else. So that made it the best deck for ages, and they hit it earlier this year. Now, you mentioned um, the, the ban list a couple of times. Mm -hmm. So, again, referring it to other card games, um, when, when they refresh the thing, it, it's like giving time. So is a ban list just as and when? Are you, do you, would you get two in a month or do they leave it like do one a year or it's not at set times it's not like right every six months so we'll bring a new ban list it's had a few changes um it used to be they would announce exact dates for it right way back when like mm -hmm. toddler tally um right <laughs> and then it got to a point where they would just have them um, they would just drop them we could kind of guess you know it's roughly every three four five months um but they would just kind of happen uh -huh. so that was like 
not bad, but you never knew. You would expect it and everyone would kind of get themselves riled up and it wouldn't happen for another month or two. Um, and then we got to the point where they'd go, right, no sooner than November. And it's November the 1st and everyone's like, where's the ban list, Konami? <laughs> and now they're more like, no sooner than November the 14th. Um, yeah. So we actually have, they've just announced one for December the 15th, no earlier than December the 15th. 15th. So after the 16th, we're going to get back in that point of where's the ban list, Konami? Uh-huh. We need a ban list. See, there's an interesting thing that I've heard is a big difference between other card games and Yu-Gi-Oh! is that Konami is very kind of closed in as a company. Like, there isn't this kind of public figures. When I take it to Magic, um, if you're on Twitter or whatever, you know about Gavin Verhey, um, Mark Rosewater. You know those guys. They they take a bit of responsibility for the game as well, even if it's stuff that's not specifically in their wheelhouse. They're kind of seen as sort of faces of Magic. Mm -hmm. And some of the pro judges and players, um, folk like Melissa Del Toro, who's on the R&D team, if you're into Magic, you know these people's names. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not something there really is with Yu-Gi-Oh. Am I correct in that? By and large, yeah. Um, there is one guy, and I cannot remember his second name for the life of me, but everyone just kind of knows him as Jerome from Konami R and D. Right. And he will occasionally. He's the closest thing to a face that we've got. He's not really the face though, mm-hmm. but he will occasionally, if there's a new like, um, TCG exclusive archetype, which is the TCG is like everything outside of Asia. So we might get exclusive cards that they don't get okay, and vice versa. But he might announce that and be like, right, the TCG exclusive archetype is X, Y, and Z and he'll announce it. Mm-hmm. But realistically, that's kind of it. They've taken more so to adopting YouTubers within the past maybe nine months okay, to start promoting product as opposed to having anyone in-house. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can understand why they would do that. YouTube obviously taking a lot of time to, to as you'll know, because uh, mm-hmm. you've got your own channel. Uh, TCG Tally Oh well I'm glad you mentioned that It would be rude of me to prop it in there myself uh, Yeah um, I am an incredibly small YouTuber myself and that's totally fine It's a great hobby and I make a lot of videos about Yu-Gi-Oh um, I don't really know much m- What more to say, sometimes they're funny Sometimes they're hilarious How long have you been doing the, the YouTube uh, Channel for? On and off for about maybe Two years now Aye. So a, um, a fair amount of time. A, a, fair aye, amount of time. a decent amount of time. And do you find that um, you're you're pulling in folk that like from all over the place? It's not just folk that would come up to shop or folk from your immediate playgroup because you guys get this sort of bigger appeal all over mm-hmm. the world. And I feel that probably YouTube. Uh, but probably uh, Yu-Gi-Oh players watch a lot more YouTube than Pokemon players, if you know what I mean. You get that because mm-hmm. it's that sort of demographic. Yeah, it's like one of these one of these things. Like of the of the big three, mm. um, so Pokemon pretty much relies completely on its IP. Like, it doesn't seem to especially care if people play the game or not. Just keep buying the cards for your Snorlaxes, right? <laughs> Charizard. Yeah, Magic seems to focus almost completely on its game. You can get into the lore once you're in the game and that kind of IP there. But you're no nobody's getting into magic because they already love magic. Uh-huh. Whereas Yu-Gi-Oh seems to like sit in the middle, where you have this IP behind it, the Yu-Gi-Oh anime uh, cartoon, um, that some people feel attached to, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and will be kind of fervent about before uh-huh. even getting into the game. Absolutely. Which leads to this, what I believe is quite a large community of people who consume a lot of content on YouTube, Twitch, mm-hmm. um, for Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, so, so did you find that that you're you're getting like a, a wider array of people 
Yeah, I think so. I think that when it comes to the Yu-Gi-Oh community, um, again, I can't really talk about magic too much, but as you said, it seems to be that they're very much based on the gameplay, um, whereas Pokemon's more about the video games, the anime, uh-huh. um, and as Yu-Gi-Oh does kind of sit in the middle where it is like, we, you know, with Pokemon content, the like, most popular content is by and large pack openings, yeah. which yeah. by the way are so addicting. Oh yeah, yeah, I've, definitely, <laughs> man. Everybody loves pack openings. Yeah, I've watched more Max Mofo than I really should have in the past yeah. two uh-huh. weeks. Um, Magic, I've never really watched any content, but like Yu-Gi-Oh, it does have a lot of like. There's loads of competitive content. Mm-hmm. There's loads of casual content. There's loads of big pack openers. Um, everything in between. So, in, in your experience, if you put up a video of like pack opening the new set, mm-hmm. or here's a new competitive deck you're going through that, what what do you think is the most hits? Where do you, the Yu-Gi-Oh players sort of what side of the fence do you think they're following? Honestly. I couldn't say because there's there's some people who are incredibly successful at doing just competitive content. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some people who are incredibly successful at doing really casual content. Uh-huh. Whereas if someone who was competitive was to post a casual deck, they'd be slated and the comments would go, why are you doing this? You're the competitive guy. Yeah, and yeah, vice versa, yeah. if someone was to do a casual deck all their days and then do something really meta, uh-huh. people would be like, why are you being such a meta sheep? Why are you being such a shill? So I think uh-huh. it's more about the particular community that you foster. Right. Um, and the way that I'm trying to kind of foster my community isn't so much that it's about having one style of either casual or meta. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just try to be like about enjoying the game. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. Uh, aye, good. Well, you can get all your Yu-Gi-Oh stuff. Uh, where, where can you get your Yu-Gi-Oh stuff, Alex? Uh, you can get your Yu-Gi-Oh stuff at Castle Comics in Cumbernauld Town Centre or at castlecomicsuk.co.uk on the internet. I thought if we're pl- <laughs> <laughs> on the internet, <laughs> we've got special internet, three buckets full internet. The please. World Wide <laughs> Web. <laughs> yes. The World Wide Web. I thought if, if Tally's plugging his show, I'm getting one in for the shop. <laughs> so That's Lee, beautiful. you're saying you're right into your competitive scene. Do you ever have a casual game of Yu-Gi-Oh! Like maybe some of the older cards are an older format. Oh yeah. Um so I started Yu-Gi-Oh! being a wannabe competitive player, right? So wanting to be competitive but not good enough to be competitive. And as time went on I got more and more competitive and I wanted to be genuinely really good. And then kinda earlier on this year, I guess when COVID hit, I just goes, What's the point? Like, what's the point in stressing out over all the time over the best deck? Which sometimes, you know, I still want to play and have a, like a proper competitive game. But I've like been like, what's the point in stressing over what's the best deck and getting all the new cards that cost eighty quid a pop? So I'm spending two hundred four. You know, I just want to play like a chill wee game every once in a while, which kind mm. of bled into the mm. YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com forward slash c forward slash tcg tally. <laughs> and more recently, the the product I've most been excited about. Is, it's called um, the Battle City Speed Duel box. Now, Speed Duel's an offshoot of Yu-Gi-Oh! where it's a slightly simplified format. Where, um, where did you buy it? I actually <laughs> bought it at Castle Comics at the Cumbernauld Town Centre. Right, enough shelling. Do they have um, a website? <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is based on, um, Battle City will probably be a familiar term, it's yep. based on the original anime. The good old days. Yeah, a lot of older cards, you know, the Dark Magician, um, that's something nice, something dragon, a lot of... Mm old like vanilla beaters that have no effects and they're just like 1800 attack points which back in the day you were like oh my god 1800 attack points on a level four monster i can play that without having to tribute summon crazy um and it's really casual aimed and i cannot wait to like get into that with the boys and just chill out for now that's something i really want to do is go back and play like some of the 
see the very first structured decks mm-hmm. where it was it was just a mess know what I mean but <laughs> they were some of the funnest games that you, you would ever play because it was like the TV series it's not just a case of right who's going to win the coin flip mm-hmm. but you'd actually sit down you have a wee bit of back and forth you'll think you're on top for a wee bit then next minute your opponent's beating you and you're winning again and mm-hmm. as it's all about you're literally looking at the top card of your deck and going, believe, believe in the heart of the cards. <laughs> and you drop, you're like, yes! That Battle City box does look like a lot of fun. No, it's with eight, eight decks, but Aye. it's speed decks, so it's with tw- 20 cards a deck? 20 to 30. Um, so literally cut in half. And it's, again, it's like all older strategies. Like there uh. is one that is literally just Blue Eyes Turbo. There's Dark Magician. Um, oh, I've totally blanked on the other ones, like the Magnet Warriors. Uh, I love the Magnet Warriors. They're just these wee vanilla dudes from years ago, and they didn't really do much. Magnet Warriors. I just look happy to be there. See, I watched a YouTube video on the history of Yu-Gi-Oh, uh-huh. and hopefully, I'm about to say the right word here. Uh-huh. Is there not like a card that's like Summon Skull or something like that? Oh, so yeah. Summon Skull. Well done. <laughs> done it. That's it. That's But see, when you think about Yu-Gi-Oh's <laughs> old cards, mm. Yu-Gi-Oh looks like the evil did. Mm-hmm. He's um, got all the dark magician summon skill and stuff, and Kaiba's got all these nice, beautiful knights aye, and stuff. I know like, it's crazy, and he's got a nice dragon. <laughs> it's, dark magician. <laughs> you know, he surely leaves a body. It's just mm-hmm. a massive commentary well, on the on the evils of capitalism. You don't really, <laughs> you don't really see it much in the anime that's popular, uh-huh. but in the manga for Yu-Gi-Oh and mm. the series before the hit series uh-huh. so there was a what we now call season zero right. it was a version of Yu-Gi-Oh made by a different company okay um based on the early chapters of the manga where it actually wasn't about the card game uh-huh. um Yu-Gi-Oh was about card uh, sorry games in general uh-huh. so it could be like one week it's themed on Dungeons and Dragons one right. week it's themed on Yu-Gi-Oh was actually brought in um to Yu-Gi-Oh as a Magic the Gathering parody Really? Um, I it was a it was called Wizards and Dragons or something. <laughs> What's it, it called in South Park? <laughs> oh, I cannot remember for life of me. Oh, yeah. There's episode of South Park. Like, the chickens playing or something. Ah, goblins <laughs> and gonads or something. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, but I um, where the main character Yugi has like the, the spirit that lives in him uh-huh. is actually quite a bad guy. He, he's straight up murdering people. Well, he's he's a pharaoh, so mm-hmm. he's had a pyramid built, so he's killed like thousands of people to build this tomb to his own vanity, mm-hmm. but you know, Aye, um, he's there, a goodie. There was like a, a, an episode or chapter, I've not really watched it a lot, but I've heard about this particular one, where he puts, what is it, he puts a match on a guy's hand, mm-hmm. but before, in fact, sorry, it's a lighter, and before he puts the lighter on the guy's hand, he's like, oh, sorry, I spilled my vodka that I bought <laughs> as a 15-year-old in high school. So the guy's hand's got vodka on it uh-huh. which is flammable apparently i wouldn't know um uh, what's vodka and he just moved like he gets something move his hand with a lighter on it uh-huh. and he burns and that's it, that, it, that's the end of the story he, he roasts a man alive <laughs> and he's a goodie yeah he's the I good guy see what the bad he does he's mostly just rich he's looking after his little brother mm-hmm. he's, 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 he's growing like, the family business he's growing the family business he's trying to expand the family business no, while looking after you, his little brother Yugi sends him to the shadow realm tried to beat a man boy. to death over a trading card uh, but we'll ignore that because uh, what teenager hasn't tried uh, to beat a man to death over cards <laughs> But I was going to ask you all what, uh, what your favourite Yu-Gi-Oh card was, and you're not allowed to say Screaming Skull. Summon Skull. Summon Skull. It's literally the only one. I've <laughs> is, that, is that your homework? Then? No, I, I, I used to. I used to when I I have a vague recollection of kind of the anime, and I remember I liked uh, Dark Magician Girl, 
There was like a dark of magic. Course. Right, aye, apparently, yeah. apparently I was a simp. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't going to go that far. As a, as a like, 10-year-old. But, you know, ev- everyone that's, like, 12 coming into 13 suddenly takes a real attraction to the Dark Magician <laughs> girl. Yeah, it's just Dark Magician, but a girl. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. That's it. Fair enough. Aye. Aye, Dark Magician girl. Is, 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 there, a, is there a blue eyes white dragon girl? Does it know all that way? Or is no, is that it actually way? is, but diff- <laughs> different. Um, there's a whole plot point about that in the show, and... To be quite frank, it gets weird. <laughs> no. A different website and all that. Aye. Exactly. Where's Sean when we need him? <laughs> <laughs> he's not even here and he's getting done dirty. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. Um, Gary, do you want to go? What's your favourite card? Obviously, Blue Eyes White Dragon. Oh, but that being said, that's just the obvious choice. There's a card that I had as a kid. And like, as a kid, you don't. Like, I wasn't looking up what cards are in sets. It was just random what you're pulling. One day I pulled. Uh-huh. Uh, what's his name now? Great Magic is it? Oh yeah, yeah. And it was the first thing I've ever seen a card like this. But he was basically your mimeoplasm you go. Right. Okay. Gets the two different cards and just combines them together. Uh-huh. But see, putting a blue eyes on him and then making a six thousand. Back then, that was insane attack power. Uh-huh. By the way, six thousand. Now it's just like triple. Well, even now, it's six thousands a lot yeah. for a monster. So you start off with eight thousand life just for a uh, four thousand back in the day. That's when I used to play it. Right. So that was like you got that in the table. Like, oh, Whoa, that's <laughs> a killer! That's your your finisher right there. Eh? Uh, no, I think that'll do us now. We'll have a break and then we will come back with more fun and games. What kind of music do you think we should put in the uh, in the middle here? What we doing? Special shout out to our listeners: John Gilbert, Ross Kernan. Lindsay Thompson, Ross Arthur, Chris Cohey, Ewan Mason, and our sponsor Castle Comics. Back after our wee break, um, still sound guy Gary, still Bluetooth Lee, <laughs> and still funny Alex, and still old Greg. <laughs> so we're going to carry on talking about Yu-Gi-Oh. First thing we're going to hit on in the second part of the show is the aesthetics of the card. Mm-hmm. Some cards are prettier, obviously, than others, and I've noticed it with the uh, the brand new structure deck. The, the 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 art and that's really really nice. It's about the only structure deck I think that I've seen that doesn't have a big sort of a blocky dragon on mm-hmm. the front of it. They do like their big sort of mm-hmm. blocky dragon. So aesthetic wise, is there a? It's like have you got a favorite artist? Is there better artists than others? So this is a thing that I think will be totally lost on Magic players. Mm-hmm. But Konami doesn't credit their artists. What? Yeah, um, I've heard about this before. It seems weird to me. A lot of Magic players I've seen online come in and they're like, "Oh, how can I find out who drew this particular art?" Because uh-huh. it'll be like, I'm sure on Magic cards there is like a, a yeah, watermark yeah. somewhere, uh-huh. um, and people will be like, "Nah, it's just it's owned by Konami." Um, so you don't really know the pers- the particular artists. It's leaked for some artists uh-huh. at points that they've done X, Y, and Z card or based on like the fact that we know that we've done a certain card, there's other cards with similar aesthetics, so we can be like, uh-huh. right, they probably did that card too, but there's no like vocal, this person drew this card crediting. Oh, um, right, okay, okay. 
Which is a bit weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if they have credits on Pokemon cards. It's not something I've got too much um, uh, experience in, but it, 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 as a Magic player, when I heard that about Yu-Gi-Oh, I was like, it's, it's really weird because like you'd think that artists working on the game uh-huh. would would be put off by not getting credited for that, but I think that might come down to somewhat of a cultural difference. I'm sure uh, that they're like financially recompensed. Yeah, so. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but this is the thing. I think Magic tends to commission art, whereas I think Konami, 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 might actually employ artists. Your mommy. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's maybe if you're thinking about like the Yu-Gi-Oh show, and then you've got the actual Pokemon games and that. There's already like probably copyright on the people that initially created like the Pokemon monsters or. Uh-huh created it for or they don't want to give people too much money saying oh your art appeared in 15,000 episodes of Yu-Gi-Oh so <laughs> that's a lot of money we'll just buy it off you for this we want some your name's off the table we own it now uh, is that... I think it might be that kind of deal that's got on the go mm-hmm. um, I think the only artist that's wild, uh, widely known is the creator himself um, Kazuki Takahashi who wrote the manga so he, right. of course, drew all your favourite cards. Uh-huh. Blue eyes, dark magician, red eyes, all that stuff. Like, he's known for that. Uh-huh. Um, and he'll occasionally do, like, updated art song cards. So he's done, like, a dark magician within the past couple of years. And he's the only person that we're like, that's his art. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, with Pokemon, again, um, I referencing other, other sort of games, with, with Pokemon and Magic and... Uh, with the Digimon game and everything coming out, um, all these games are sort of an online platform. Now, mm-hmm. I know Yu-Gi-Oh has uh, Duel Links, mm-hmm. which is very popular. How do you feel about the Konami's online support of, of Yu-Gi-Oh? Konami's sort of interactive online? So, it's a weird one, right? So, you mentioned Duel Links, which is very much based on what I mentioned earlier as Speed Duels, which is a, an entirely different game at this point like okay. Duel Links while it has the same building blocks in a lot of cases and it has the same cards but just a different amount of them okay. um, is almost in itself a different game using the same tools there isn't really online support for what people think of Yu-Gi-Oh um, like the main game uh-huh. the kind of bigger more expanded the more complex one um, there hasn't been support for that for quite a while so I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or we're going to get struck by the, the god hand of Konami but there's online platforms that are fan-made uh-huh. that get, like are really popular, um, but it's not run by Konami themselves. It's run by different people who make them, who build them, um, who maintain them that aren't affiliated with Yu-Gi-Oh! whatsoever. And they are really good. There's two main ones about to be a third coming up soon. Um, there's Edo Pro, which is a kind of automatic simulator. So if your card can do a thing, uh-huh. it'll pop up on the screen and go, your card can do a thing. Do you want to do it? Right, and then of course you want to wait, so you click no, and then the second they do something else, it's like your card can do a thing. Would you like to do it? And you're like, no. <laughs> and it keeps going until you actually want to activate it, um, uh-huh. which is similar to Duel Links because that's also an automatic sim- uh, simulator. Yeah. But then there's Dueling Book, which is um, everything's manual. So if you're typing, right. or if you're using a card's effect, you'll say in a chat box effect. Um, so it's a bit more closely related to okay. the real game. But I think with these platforms, but the thing that I really like about it always it's fan-made and Konami aren't going to get any money from it, but it gives you a chance to, before you go out and 
spend all your money on a deck you want. You can actually any deck you want. You can mm. just search a card, put that in the deck. Search a card, put that in the deck. And it's not like other platforms for like different games. I'm not going to mention Magic and stuff like that, but mm. you actually like, oh I want to try this deck, but you still have to buy digital packs uh-huh. to try and get the, the decks you're looking for. Yeah, no, for. absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. One that. thing, one thing I think the Duel Links, which I have played a little bit of, does considerably better than any other TCG that I've seen, is that it has somewhat of a campaign to learn how to play the game. Mm. Aye. Right, which Magic doesn't have on Magic Arena or MTGO. Um, Pokemon doesn't have the same level of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the fact, this is why the the best thing I think Yu-Gi-Oh does for new players is that if you have a passive interest in Yu-Gi-Oh, there's a platform there to try out the game. I know you said it's linked to like speed duels and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. And you can see duel links download it, go, this game's for me, or this game's no for me, and you've maybe only invested an hour or two hours into it. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, considerably better than any other kind of online offering for other TCGs. Yeah, um, and don't get me wrong, I love duel links. Like, it is... Um, still the same core mechanics as regular Yu-Gi-Oh, right? So it's mm-hmm. you know very similar. And if you want a Yu-Gi-Oh fix when you're on the bus, train, whatever, like it's it's great. Um, because the games are really short. Because it, like they're it's quite even more fast paced for the format that it has. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's quite the games can be quite short, but there is a little back and forth in that short time. Um, I and it is for what it is, it is really good, and it's a good entrance into Yu-Gi-Oh. For some people, because they get this taster, it goes through the rules, it goes, this is what a normal summon is, this is what a special summon is, this is what a trap card is, this is what these types of spell cards are. Mm-hmm. And it even has, in Duel Links, like, lessons that like, you can earn in-game currency uh-huh. from doing. Um, so it does pose for a lot of people um, just a really accessible version of the game. Whereas, because it's a smaller card pool, which, to be fair now, it's like four or five years old, so... It's not that small of a card pool anymore, but there's not as much to learn um, as opposed to Yu-Gi-Oh! right now, which has roughly 20 years of history uh-huh. to be vaguely aware of. See, here was an interesting thing I maybe wanted to bring up in the first half, is this kind of expansion of Yu-Gi-Oh! over these past 20 years, because they don't have rotation. It's I just wanted to talk about maybe a barrier to entry for new players, because I'm really interested in how new players deal with card games like I enjoy teaching new players in magic and I enjoy talking about the new player experience in card games so one of the biggest perceived barriers to entry for me for Yu-Gi-Oh is that when you come into the game as a new player you very quickly have to gain a fairly substantial knowledge of 20 years of cards mm-hmm. to play the game that's and the that, thing about Yu-Gi-Oh it's like not got the, the, the rotation system and stuff like the game itself evolves you've you've got extra zones you've got more conditions and stuff throughout like compared to when i first started like 20 years ago the, the game itself and how you play it has changed drastically there's so much extra stuff that you have to do when it was a fairly simple game mm-hmm. it's now advanced and yes which i can see that it's a good thing as well the game's advanced in itself but i can see that intimidation point for new players definitely mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. one of, it's one of these things. I just wanted to see if you agreed with us. Um, something that all kind of card games want to avoid is power creep, which is where you bring out strictly better versions of a card as you go later. Um, without rotation, um, I think it's pretty hard to avoid it. 
Um, I think Yu-Gi-Oh tried its best by expanding kind of horizontally, by <coughs> adding more zones, adding more zones, adding more interesting effects. But I think it's kind of <laughs> impossible to have twenty years of cards without experiencing kind of constant and advancing power creep. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> you've started me. The, the 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 game is going to evolve, and things are going to get more powerful. And everybody's going to get access to the more powerful cards. Now that's a slow and actual progression, yep. unless unless it's managed to be certain other games of 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 managed it. But you don't want to end up in a situation where you've got nine cards that do the same thing, just with different names. Yeah, and it's not necessarily about access to those cards because I understand that Yu-Gi-Oh has um, access to. The newer cards tend to be the ones that have the best effects at the moment, kind of thing. Um, it's not about access to them, whereas which is a problem in other card games. Uh-huh. But like you can't really jump into Legacy and Magic, no, um, as a new player because you just don't have access to old cards. Um, so it's not about access; it's maybe just about the knowledge you have to gain about the progression of Yu-Gi-Oh over the twenty years that's been okay. just about. Tell us a wee bit about Power Creep now. Let me to... tell you about Power Creep. <laughs> <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh is born and bred on Power Creep. <laughs> From day one, every set has had to be slightly better than the last. Um, which is funny because at the very start, a lot of the most powerful cards ever printed in Yu-Gi-Oh were cards printed at the start mm-hmm. where they didn't understand what cost was. Um, they didn't uh-huh. understand that having five different cards that allow you to look at and remove cards from your opponent's hand was absolutely <laughs> broken. Uh-huh. Um, so they kind of had massive power levels. It dipped a little, or dipped quite a considerable, but every set since that point has just been slightly better. Mm-hmm. It's had slightly more powerful cards that, of course, drive what Yu-Gi-Oh! is. So, you know, as you have said, Magic has a, fo- a set rotation where they just go, right, these cards, can't play them anymore. These are the new cards. You play these now. Yu-Gi-Oh! is like, it's okay, you can play your old cards, but we're going to bring out this new one in a couple months, and by God, if it doesn't destroy you <laughs> in one turn. Um, and it is just, it's an insane level of power creep mm-hmm. that any other game would look at and go, that's unplayable. But as Yu-Gi-Oh! players are just like, oh, that card doesn't do eight things in a turn. I guess I could play one of it if it's searchable. <laughs> it's not that good, is it? I, um, I've noticed we're looking through Yu-Gi-Oh cards and my, my very limited experience of it that they're really stringy. They're really stringent. They're really tight on your ability as a player to draw cards. Oh the, yeah. The hoops you have to jump through now in Yu-Gi-Oh to draw cards. I mean, it, it used to be pot of desires and just draw two cards. Pot of greeds. Sorry. Another card. Another card. You knew He's doing well. Yeah, so pot of greed is like the perfect example. It is a costless plus one, which in, um, I don't know about magic, apparently you guys have some pretty crazy draw cards at times. Yeah. yeah. But if I said you have five cards, now have another one for free. Like, yeah. that's that's insane. Um that it truly is from a Yu-Gi-Oh perspective because uh-huh. we've got no like cost system we've got no resource yeah. if I have another card that does a thing uh-huh. like that's just way more gas that's yeah. taking my engine from I don't know cars but I'm going to go a VW Polo to the nicest <laughs> Audi ever <laughs> right. right I've just went and gone mental um you know an extra card in Yu-Gi-Oh is insane yeah so one spell could lead on to I play this spell which searches out this card and yes. then gets five other cards onto the battlefield. And you're like, what? Yeah. So now we have um, a lot more pot of cards. So you mentioned <laughs> Desires, which is you remove from play um, or banish um, the top ten cards of your deck mm-hmm. and draw two cards. 
which for competitive players will go right the top 10 cards in my deck are in my deck they're not doing anything right now mm-hmm. get them and that is so worth it to now have two more cards in my uh-huh. hand uh-huh. Um, we have one called pot of extravagance mm-hmm. which is Yu-Gi-Oh. one of the unique mechanics about it is we have what's called an extra deck of cards that you can if you fulfill the right conditions bring out onto the field and uh-huh. um, it could be that they're fusion monsters so you pay well, really, you just take two monsters and put them together for all of them. But they could be fusion monsters, they could be Xyz, uh-huh. they could be Synchro, um, could be Link, you know, loads of different types of cards, and that lives in the extra deck. Um, but, like, Pot of Extravagance says you can banish six cards from your extra deck face down, so not only are they banished, they're out of the game, but, you know, there's it's very hard to interact with face down banished cards. Draw two cards. And for some decks, that's a killer, but for some other decks... They'll go, six cards at my extra deck. Ha, joke's on you. I don't use the extra deck, so that is pot of yeah. greed. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of them that, that go absolutely mental. But that's fine. It doesn't know when to stop. Like you're saying with these <laughs> banished cards, like, for instance, Magic the Gathering, you exile a card, it's gone. You're not seeing that card the rest of the game. But you go, it's like, the banished face up or face down, because if it's face up, then I can use this ability and bring them all back in the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Yeah, like, all right, so I didn't really hinder you by, by banishing all them cards. Oh, but the, they were banished face down, except for that one. He's up. He's back in the battlefield. <laughs> He's back in action. All right. right. It's one of these things, like, there has to be there has to be a cost associated with everything mm-hmm. in a game. For monsters in Yu-Gi-Oh, it's the tribute system, or... Mm-hmm. Is, is it called tribute? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, or something else, or some action you have to complete. The problem with not having a physical mana or resource cost with draw cards in Yu-Gi-Oh is that they are free. You can't. Mm. You have to think a clever. Konami has to think of clever ways to associate a cost with something that's essentially free. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's um, why it's getting a bit strange with it. And they, <laughs> they do have like costs to an extent, so it could be like discard two cards, mm-hmm. draw two cards. Or, mm-hmm. like, that's Even that's busted, because there's decks that would love to discard two cards. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, graveyard decks, yeah, obviously. Um, but it also depends on the type of monster. So, for example, we have what's called Xyz monsters, where you have two monsters with the same level, you put them on top of each other, they make a new monster. And the cost for that... <laughs> That's so, where baby monsters come from. You yeah. get two monsters. <laughs> one goes on top of the other. Exactly. Um, so you've got one mummy level four and a daddy level, level four, four. <laughs> and they make a rank four. And like a cost for an Xyz card might be detach a material, mm. and that now has a very limited cost, because usually you've got two materials on an Xyz monster. Um, so that has a definite cost. Some cards, like Pot of Desires, as we said, the cost for that is you lose 10 cards for your deck and the chances of you being able to get them back are pretty much non-existent. So there is cost there. It's just in the form of um, resources in your hand or resources in your deck or resources like life points. A lot of people get hung up on life points, but a lot of competitive players will say they don't matter. They're no, just another way to pay for cards. Card. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. you win the same in one life yeah, as you yeah. do in 8,000. That's the biggest Aye. lesson in every TCG yeah, and yeah, your, life your life resource. resource. Absolutely. <laughs> but do you think Yu-Gi-Oh would benefit from, like, now it's got this power creep where it's just constantly evolving, constantly you have to do extra stuff and more and more stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you think it would benefit from inventing and pushing new formats? For example, like me, I prefer Yu-Gi-Oh in its simpler days. But mm-hmm. it was just tribute summons. Tribute summons were enough. Mm-hmm. None, of, none of these different colours. But say there's a format that you're not allowed in your extra deck. Mm-hmm. No extra deck, just tribute summons, stuff like that. Or like a singleton format like Commander and Magic where it's just one card instead mm-hmm. of three in each deck. 
do you think there's a demand for that in Yu-Gi-Oh right now? Well, Speed Duels is yeah, that but, really, isn't it? It's not getting any of the fancy summoning. But it's, I want to slow Yu-Gi-Oh down, right? <laughs> That's my point. No, but see, but, it's called Speed Duels, but it's, it's I, slow. So it is, it's, it's called Speed Duels, um, and we talk about Duel Links being relatively fast, but the physical format is based on a lot of older cards and is based on a slower tempo game. Yeah. Um, I think the most it's got from the extra deck is Fusion, which has been around since day one. So it is, it's a much slower format. Um, a bit closer to what people call Playground Yu-Gi-Oh, which is what people remember the most fondly, where the rules really didn't matter. They go, can I read your card? And you go, no, because they don't read other people's cards in the show. <laughs> so therefore, every turn, my, my card lets me draw two cards. And like... Um, that was one of my favourite plays. I had a trap card and it said, if you have an earth monster, draw two cards. And I was just like, that lets me do it every turn. And I'm like, that's broken. And I'm like, yep. So I just loaded my deck full of earth monsters and just drew two <laughs> cards every turn. So when you sit down and play Yu-Gi-Oh, right? Mm-hmm. You sit down and play Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, with other card games, there's various different formats, like Gary was saying, singleton format. I think that's what you're getting at, Gary. Like, mm-hmm. should should they strive for another format, maybe like uh, like Commander, where you can only have one of each card, or uh, uh, is there another viable format? Is, is the game just structured in such a way that you have to play it the way Konami intended it to to be played? I think that's, well, that's what you're trying to get it's at. It's a train you have to keep up with it mm-hmm. like if you've got a good deck in five years that deck's not going to hold up at all whereas in other train card games and stuff like that old cards are still valuable they still hold value in the game not uh-huh. just monetary like they still mm-hmm. can be used so i think there there is fan made formats mm-hmm. um so we have what's called goat format mm-hmm. which is <laughs> from a particular point in time i think it was like 2004 2005 right. um there was a particular couple decks. I think I've gotten very little knowledge on it. I've never really played it. Uh-huh. Um, but it's got like Goat Control, which is based on like the card Scapegoat, um, which is another really crazy example of an old card being broken in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. It, it's nearly banned um, because it just summons four monsters. And back then you were like, four monsters? That means I can wall up for a couple turns. Yeah. And we're like, four monsters now? Let's go wild. Do you know yeah. what I can do with four monsters? <laughs> um so back then, um, like scapegoat or goat control was a really like powerful deck. Mm. There was what's called chaos, um, in Yu-Gi-Oh. It's not so much an archetype, but more a theme of mm-hmm. chaos monsters, which is a combination of light and dark type monsters. Okay. Um, and that has a lot to do with like banishing. So that used to be a really powerful deck. Mm-hmm. Um, so like people have like goat format where you play like old chaos decks, old goat control decks. But again, it's unofficial. And we also have what more people are starting to get into. It's called Toss Format, which stands for Thunder, Orcus, Striker, Salomon Great. Right. Which was kind of the format for about a year and a half up until January this year. Uh-huh. And it was just, there was four really powerful decks. Uh-huh. Like, by far the best decks at the time. Uh-huh. But all those decks could not only counter each other, but all those decks had specific weaknesses that a lot of rogue decks could take advantage of. Right. Um, so, for example, you could play an, a card that beats Orcist, but it could also have a really negative effect on Thunder Dragon. Right. Which means that if you've already conquered like two of your matchups, uh-huh. then a less powerful deck, if it's built well and if it's played by a really good player, could feasibly easily take on the meta because it had like Thunder Dragon, which loves banishing. So, if you've got a card that stops banishing, which uh-huh. there is, it's really popular, um, they didn't, they kind of passed their turn. 
Same with Orcist. If you drop that in them, they mm. love banishing. Mm. They kind of end their turn. Um, Sky Striker, we mentioned it earlier. Lots of advantage, but it needs like three turns to get there. So if you've got a really, really strong fast deck that puts out a lot of damage really quickly, then you can feasibly beat Sky Strikers early on before so, they can get it. Good. So it's like a rock, paper, scissors thing almost? To um, an extent, yeah. There was definitely outs to lots of things, but the de- the top decks weren't so amazing that no one else could beat them. Like, they were which, good. Which is where you want things to be. Yeah. Really. So the, the sort of secondary market and you go buying single cards, that sort of thing, obviously all trading card games have this sort of thing. Um so it seems to be the way that Yu-Gi-Oh works is the rarer a card is, the shinier it is. For the most part, yeah, that's, because that's the rule. You you can have a card. The thing that blows my mind about Yu-Gi-Oh is you can have one card, the uh, two printings of the same card, and one of them's worth like a hundred pound, one of them's worth like ten pence because one of them's shinier than the other. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's it's the weirdest. It's the weirdest. It doesn't thing. even need to be shiny. Some Yu-Gi-Oh cards has got like three wee digits at the bottom of the picture. Symbolising what set it's from. I mean, uh-huh. If it's from an older set, it'll be the exact same card. One will be worth fifty quid. One will be worth five pence. Uh-huh. But how? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's to say. I suppose it's it's nobody. Look at me. I've got the I've got the I original printing of. Yu-Gi-Oh's really big on getting a set collection. Like yeah. you see people with like a binder. It's just all one set. All one set. I think right. that's something that I've seen that Yu-Gi-Oh does considerably better than other card games that I've seen as well. The collectible aesthetics. I actually prefer. The art in Magic, I prefer the kind of fantasy art, but when I look at certain Yu-Gi-Oh cards, you can tell they just feel collectible, special kind of thing. If, if only knew who drew them. Aye. <laughs> in a way that Magic cards, Pokemon cards, don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, definitely. When you get, um, like, a, was it the Phantom Rare, the one with the holograms? Oh, um, it, uh, there's Ghost Rare. Ghost Rare, yeah. Ghost Rare. Ghost Rare was Good. mind-blowing, absolutely gorgeous when they, yeah. did, the, when they did them, right? Um, ghost Rears are, and I can see why folk would want that because they look lovely, you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, they're actually coming back Ghost um, Rears? Yeah, I don't know mm. if it's a permanent thing but there's a set uh, sometime next year called like Ghosts of the Past and that's got a bunch of Ghost Rear cards in it mm. mm-hmm. nice. uh, I'm not too sure but you'll like it it's got, one, it's got a, blue eye, a Ghost Rear Blue Eyes alternative Ooh. <laughs> there you go, Gary's getting back into the old Yu-Gi-Oh mm-hmm. <laughs> just for the Ghost Rears just for the Ghost Rears so I've been playing Geolinks. Mm-hmm. I've got a rough idea of what's going on. We're after COVID. Mm-hmm. I'm wanting to come to the shop and play. What am I getting? Where do I start? Mm-hmm. Um, so before we really like get into that, which I think that that's a huge conversation, like talking about the Yu-Gi-Oh secondary market is... Well, that's another one I could talk about for ages, but <laughs> you're totally right that Yu-Gi-Oh has a wide, varied mental market that there's a million copies of Blue Eyes out, uh-huh. ironically, because there's only three in the there's show. There's only three? That's uh-huh. the weirdest thing. But we do have ones that are like five the pence, but uh. there's like ones that are like hundreds of pounds. You know, if you've got the very first original Legend of Blue Eyes, Blue Eyes uh-huh. kept well, that's thousands of pounds. Oh, whereas. <laughs> I'm going to quickly butt in there. Yeah, that, go so. for it, man. You're Tom. the same guy. Do what you like. <laughs> so, talking about the original Blue Eyes, first edition Blue Eyes, if Tommy's listening to this. Um, aye, so I gave Tommy this big collection of cards. I was like, I'll go and see how much I can get worth, uh, how much these are worth. He's like, alright, alright. Then he phones up and he's like, I'm going to kill you. I'm like, why? He's like, just come to the shop, I'm going to kill you. Like, alright. Wait to convince me. But anyway, went to the shop and he's like, look at this. 
they flung down the blue eyes. I never even knew I had it in this bundle. And it was mm-hmm. the first edition blue eyes, but oh. all the corners have been worn. And like, <laughs> oh, big no. scrapes all the way through. He's like, do you know how much this is worth? I was like, I don't know. He's like, at least a couple hundred pounds. He's like, do you know how much it's worth now? I was like, a hundred pounds? He's like, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aye. I just had the flashbacks of me out in the garden with a gel disc on, flinging this blue eye about, without the sleeves on. And oh. I didn't know how to protect cars back in the days, but... Aye. Yeah. I've got a mate that for work that did the same. He was like, Oh, you like Yu Gi Oh? Like, see if I send you pictures, could you tell me what they're worth? And I looked at it and I pulled one up and it had like a fake blue eyes on it, right? Because everybody that played Yu Gi Oh back in the day had a bunch of fake cards for some shady dude in town. Um, Mine's were from Bulgaria. Yeah, I was going to say, man. <laughs> when you're on holiday, you got some real good ones. Yeah. Big There's dark a... rabbi. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But dark master is also just Exodia. Um, but yeah, and I looked at one, I'm like, oh, he's got a couple of fake blue eyes. And I'm like, wait a minute. That one isn't fake. And it was it was same as yours. No corners, right? This card's round. It's an oval. <laughs> and I checked the set codes. And it's LOB, which is the very first Yu-Gi-Oh set ever. And I'm and I, I find I seen I had the wee gold sticker mm. right and gold sticker on Yu-Gi-Oh means first edition, and I looked up on eBay for like what a good one is and as you said like hundreds and hundreds of pounds, and I texted him I was like, you you've got nothing there mate, I was like but if you kept that one good card, <laughs> good for your life uh-huh. you'd have made roughly eight hundred pounds and he's like, oh oh. I was oh. like, yeah, keep your cards nice, kids. Yeah, keep your Should cards nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you're seeing it now. Um, a lot of people are like, it's no Yu-Gi-Oh, but Pokemon. Mm. Shiny Charizard sells for hundreds of thousands of pounds. Yeah, That's mental. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm offling it in the bin. I, uh, you oh. don't play it anymore. I never did play it anymore. I was keeping it. <laughs> I don't know how to play Pokemon, but it looks cool. <laughs> um, That's crazy. But like the Yu-Gi-Oh secondary market, one thing that I want to kind of point out because you mentioned it, like, one copy is just shinier. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned earlier on we had Secret Slayers earlier on in the year, yeah, yeah. which had a card called Eldritch the Golden Lord. Super short-printed. Super short-printed. And that's a thing that Konami does that everybody hates. They will short-print good cards right. because they need to drive price, uh, they need to drive demand. Um, so they'll short-print really good cards. Mm-hmm. Eldritch the Golden Lord, its first printing, was £100-plus pounds for three cards and a 40-card deck. You're paying somewhere between 300 to 360 pounds uh-huh. they reprinted it recently um like two weeks ago uh-huh. the new prints eight pounds <laughs> that's, like, that's such that's... a disparity i can pay 360 for the shiny one or i can pay 24 pounds for free of the new one which uh-huh. looks also really nice because it's like one of the new gold ones so it's, right. got, like, yeah, yeah. it's got a gold board border border gold border, border. Um, it's all embossed it's like kind of 3d-ish it's delightful but that's so mental how they can be like this much and now it's nothing. I mean that that's not really I don't think that's really the secondary market. I think it's just so that you'll buy more packs and the hope of hitting this. So it's weird how Kona, the way that Konami prank cards does impact the secondary market. Mm. Um because oftentimes it is so that you'll buy more packs, but because you're buying more packs, you know, vendors have to recoup their costs. So they'll be like, Right, cool. Eldritch the Golden Lord, you get one in every case, right? That's cards now a hundred pounds. Uh-huh. And they'll all kind of just not agree per se, but somebody will post it for a hundred, and then maybe somebody will post it for ninety, and they'll go like, "Cool, ninety pounds is a good price uh-huh. for this card." That's what everybody's willing to pay. Uh-huh. Go with ninety. Well, surely um, after a while, when a card comes out, the, the market finds its own level. Yeah. Do you know what um, I mean? Exactly, and then like they'll reprint it because everyone will go, 
this card needs a reprint. I would mm-hmm. pay for a reprint. And they'll go, sorry, did you just say you'll pay for something? Yeah. Um, they're cool money for a reason. And they're like, cool, it's in the new box. Go mental. Yeah. And that will have an impact on the secondary market, bringing they, the, new, the old one down a bit. They did it in the... Uh, Salamandrake structure deck mm-hmm. where it was, was it Ash Ash Blossom. Ash Blossom Ash and Joy Blossom Spring was in Joy Spring was a really, really expensive card. Then they reprinted it as a common in the structure deck. Mm-hmm. And the cost of the card was more than the cost of the structure deck. Yep. You know what I mean? It's yeah. absolutely crazy. But that that's them again selling a ton of structure decks. Mm-hmm. And like the thing about like Salamandrake is not only were you getting Ash Blossom, which by the way, a common Ash Blossom, people were like, that's unbelievable. You would never get a common Ash Blossom there. It's only ever going to get better rarities to get more money. And it's like, that came out. Um, and not only was Ash Blossom a really good card for every single deck ever, mm. but also Salamandrakes were a powerful deck for a long yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it was a good three of those jammed together. I saw people like win tournaments oh, yeah. for that. Do you know what I mean? People literally showed up to a regionals. We know deck list bought three Salomon Great structure decks with us like with a side deck and some extra deck cards that they'd bought, um, and like topped, um. So yeah, it was it was a really good structure deck, which I guess kind of leads into your point that you made earlier about how does someone get into yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh into the physical thing. Supposing yeah. we've got the basic foundations, we've played Duel Links a wee bit, we sort of know roughly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Where do we start physically? Yeah, so I think. If you want that old school feeling, I definitely think Speed Duels is the way to go. It's not the most popular format, but it does give, again, a bit of a slower build-up. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have the mentality of just dive in, which is kind of like what I did. Um, I picked a powerful deck at the time and just dove in with it. No idea what I'm doing, but mm-hmm. just through battle attrition, really, I just Aye. learned and understood. Um, and some people will go, right break it down just get an easy deck to play there's this deck called like Gren Maju where your whole point is you just banish lots of cards and for every card that's banished Gren Maju the card gets stronger so it's just like this kind of beat down deck it's just uh-huh. like a kind of unga bunga my monster has 8000 attack points and you've got 4000 life points left yeah you're dead um some people will pick like anime decks again because that's still quite an influence on Yu-Gi-Oh. So, like pick a theme that, yeah. that they enjoy mm-hmm. aesthetically rather than something maybe that's uh, particularly good mechanics. Yeah, and I think that's that's a big thing. There's a lot of decks that look amazing that unfortunately aren't amazing um, in Yu-Gi-Oh. Some people will pick. You know, I mentioned the extra deck earlier. Uh-huh. They'll pick a deck that does one thing from the extra deck, and they'll be like, "Right, this is a fusion deck, or this is a synchro deck, or this is an Xyz deck, uh-huh. and this is what it does, and this is how you're gonna learn the mechanic." Right. And that's it. Um, there's just there is a load of ways to approach it. My personal recommendation, if you want to get into like proper Yu-Gi-Oh, not speed duels, not duel links, is pick up free copies of a structure deck. Um probably google to see which one recently is kind of one of the better ones or you can even pick based off aesthetic again because Yu-Gi-Oh does have quite a unique aesthetic mm. pick, uh, pick up free structure decks there's a product don't know how like widely available it is now it's about a year or so old called dual devastator mm-hmm. um pick up some cards from that probably in castle comics <laughs> or you could pick up the singles Absolutely. online potentially at castlecomics.co.uk that's right yeah like a, a set like dual devastator has got one copy of but like it made a lot of cards really cheap a lot of really good side deck cards a lot of really good just generically good cards so you could pick up free structure decks pick up um a couple of cards for dual devastator 
and you may not have a meta deck but you now have a playable competent deck that you can take to locals and sure you might lose because you don't know a lot about the game but you will have a very competent deck that allows you to learn the game awesome. with a very competent awesome. platform okie dokie well gary's giving us the signal it's it's time to wrap up to give yourself one last plug before we go tally uh sure so that YouTube channel again is TCG Tally. I am also on Twitter and Twitch. Um, I do Twitch every once in a while. Not so much Yu-Gi-Oh, but I do Resident <laughs> Evil. I love Can't Resident help, Evil. I, just I know. Um, Where's TCG <laughs> underscore Tally? That of course weird branding. But yeah, follow me on those. Um, give me a sub on YouTube. I do have a series that I think is quite unique, especially for Yu-Gi-Oh players called One Hundred Duels, where I play one hundred games with a deck and figure out how it works, how if I like it or not. Um, so yeah, check those out. They're absolutely amazing and go buy stuff from Castle Comics <laughs> because Greg's got a knife to my throat. Absolutely. Um, anything you want to say before we go, Alex? No, I just like the Facebook page. It's We're looking to change it, but it's still under Project Podcast at the moment. Aye. For some reason, Facebook won't let me change the name. Um, or uh, follow us on Twitter at Castle Comics Pod. Any final words, Gary? Believe in the heart of the cards. Believe in the heart <laughs> of the cards. I think we'll leave it in that. Hope everybody draws a monster card, though. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh. And we'll see you next time. Bye.